All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're... you're you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to obviously his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS, T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Or you can always call me and I'll cook for them. It's, it really, it's a it's a great way to love people. That journey started early in his beloved granny's kitchen. She was the one that, you know, was always cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a Southern belle. She made everything taste good, and I didn't always, sorry, Mom, get that at home. <laughs> but uh, granny taught me how to cook, and 
I've never looked back from that. James is a Fox 6 Good Day Alabama monthly contributor. It's one of the honors of my life. I love cooking on TV. I love hearing the feedback. I love going in there and having people email me and ask questions. It's just, it's fun. And his peanut butter cobbler recipe was featured on the Food Network show Carnival Eats. That was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was a... I don't like I got paid for it, but it was a lot of exposure and it was really fun. Head over to chefjameskjones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. CrossFit Mophobia is owned and operated by Hayden Setzer. Hayden has a degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in coaching. She is CrossFit Level 2 certified and Precision Nutrition Certified. CrossFit Mophobia is located at 222 Decatur Highway in Gardendale, Alabama. Email CrossFitMophobiaInfo at gmail.com or call or text 256-303-1873. Or you can look up everything she does on Facebook and Instagram. CrossFit Mophobia. Hey guys, Merry Christmas from Team Jones. Head on over to our YouTube channel for recipes, podcasts, and now we are live streaming to give you guys real glimpses into our daily lives. We've most recently added the Gardendale Christmas Parade, and this is one of our favorite Christmas events to do with our kids every year. You'll also be able to see the podcast behind the scenes with unedited live streams. Kind of scary. Kind of scary, but fun too. We've added the first four seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and even if you've listened to every one of them, check out the video format to see behind-the-scenes pictures and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. Just do it. It's 100% free. It's 100% free. won't cost you anything, but it will help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe. Or a podcast. And on the cooking front, head over to chefjameskjones.com to see what we're doing for Christmas. Thank you for your support. Merry Christmas and thanks for being a part of our story. Christmas. We just wanted to say thank you to everyone for all the support that you've given us for our Straight Out of Prison podcast and just wish you a Merry Christmas. We really appreciate um, all the listeners, all the feedback. We're super excited to keep telling the story. And this was just a little snippet when we were recording season two. Haley and I got in a little, I guess, a tiff over the wise men in the Bible. So, I didn't really have a problem with that, but then I had a problem with the nativity scenes. Well, I have to say, this is funny a little bit, because knowing you're one on the Enneagram, for all of you that know what the Enneagram is, I mean, to me, it fits right in line with... What bothered me? This was one of the first (laughs) things about the Bible that bothered me. Why did that bother you? Because all my life, by this time I'm 24, 25 years old, all my life, you saw Jesus getting born in a manger. Jesus' crib, Mary and Joseph, shepherds, sheep, goats, cows, and the three wise men that came to kneel at the baby Jesus' feet to give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, sounds good to me. But that's the story we've always been told. That's the story we've always been given. But when I started reading the Bible for myself, I realized there was no way that could be accurate. There was the, because? Because it didn't happen like that. 
Like they're taking like the the gospel was written by four authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it was their account of you know physically being there and seeing everything. Matthew's account talked about Jesus being born of a virgin. You know, they got to Bethlehem, couldn't get in, so they had to go in a stable, and that's where she gave birth to the King of Kings. And that the angels went and told the shepherds out in the field, which were the lowest of the nastiest of the low people, that they were like people you look down on. They were like, you know, whoever you would look down on. People didn't really care for shepherds. Mm -hmm. The angels went to the shepherds and said, today— a Savior has been born in the city of David. Go look. Go look for a baby wrapped in uh, claws or swaddling, swaddling rags or whatever. Manger, yeah. And they ran and they saw and they were freaked out and they went and they saw the baby and they saw Mary and Joseph and it was a beautiful thing. And that's recorded in the book of Luke. But the book of Matthew talks about the wise men. It don't say that they came to the manger. It actually says when they got there, they went up in the house, and the child, not the baby, the child was sitting with his mama. Oh. And then, but the other thing about that is if the star the star appeared when Jesus was born, these are people, wise men were from the east. They saw a star because they were like star watchers or whatever. Mm -hmm. They saw a star. They had to get from like India and China and, you know, wherever they were all the way to Bethlehem, they couldn't have got there. They didn't have, even if it would have been now, it would have been hard for them to get there on a jet. <laughs> so you're saying they the wise to, men were not there when he was born? No, they would have had to make a trip. Like, they yeah. made a trip. And then when they got there, they went to where they thought the king of the Jews would be born, would be where? In a palace. Right? Right. He's the king. They went to the palace where Herod was, and... He was, you know, a little frustrated because he didn't want another king because he wanted to be king. So he called his, like, Bible people in there, and they told him, oh, no, the baby's coming from Bethlehem. So he sent him to Bethlehem, told him to come back to him. And then he sent out an order and said, go to Bethlehem and kill all the babies, male babies under two years old, slaughter them, kill them, because he wanted to take out Jesus. Right. So it was probably at least a year or maybe or months. It was not. The wise man didn't show up at the thing and... It was Jesus and Mary, the animals, and the shepherds. Like, I can see the, you're very passionate about this. I don't know. It just bothers me. I mean, even... Does it still bother you? We don't have the wise men on our nativity set. We don't? Well, you got your mom's nativity <laughs> set. She did, but I always I take know, them. I always take them out. <laughs> I did not know this. They're not there. They weren't there. <laughs> You've taken our wise men from our nativity set? Yes. Where did you put them? I just probably didn't throw them away. I mean, the wise man is significant, <laughs> but it, it don't need to be in the nativity set. I mean, oh, it's okay. a miracle. The wise, Okay, okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not anti-wise men. I'm, I mean, the, if you read the story of the wise men, these were people that studied the stars. These are like Zodiac people. And they saw a star appear the night that Jesus was born, and they were like, ooh, you know, we got to go find that star because, you know, this is pretty significant. And they searched and searched and came from, you know, three or four or five countries over. And in them days, that was quite a trip. You might not even make that trip in a lifetime. You might not even make it back. So that that in and of itself is a miracle and it's beautiful. But let's just put it where it belongs. Let's put it in, you know. <laughs> I mean, details are important. You're so like, later. You know, it's okay. Well, it actually says if you read in the book of Matthew, it says the wise men entered the house. They went in the house. They didn't, right. so they didn't live in the stable. He was just born in the stable. Wow. I can't wait to go upstairs and come <laughs> firm. 
Where are look it our up. wise men? Go look it up. <laughs> it's time to get real. Real talk from a real married couple about real life. From fights and arguments, raising kids, finances, dieting, get in my belly, religion. If it really happens in the real world, you'll really hear it right here. It's not the highlight reel. It's the for real reel with your hosts who are keeping it real every day, James and Haley Jones. Well, hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the for real reel. My name is James K. Jones, and this is what is really happening this week. And this is Haley Jones, and like you said, this is what's really happening. This is the for real reel. Not the highlight reel. Not the highlight reel. <laughs> so here we go. We got lots of for real reels. <laughs> All right, well, it's December. We're in the throes. Pressure on every side. <laughs> yes. And here we go. All right. You want to start? Uh, well, it's not the highlight reel. It is the for real reel. <laughs> December, being in the food business all my life, really, December's the hardest time because there's that's when everybody wants food and they want parties and they want the fun and the good times and it's uh also historically like when i worked at leonardo's my first seven eight years out of prison i would not even think about money all year i'll just run up credit cards because i knew (laughs) i'm just i'm just being honest i knew that in december i would make so much money from the day after thanksgiving until the first of the year that I could pay off anything, furniture, TVs, uh, <laughs> cars. So why is that not happening now? This Old is my Navy question. cards. <laughs> I think that's what um, we need to talk about today because I'm, I don't know if I'm fascinated or disgusted with myself, but it seems like there are like people that have like a business mind that can do business. And then there are people that are like creatives that are, that can do creative stuff. But for me and for you, I would say, like, I'm creative with food and with the podcast, the media and stuff like that. But on the business side, I always, when I'm doing it for myself, I always end up in a mess or lacking. And it confuses me because, like, I worked for, when I worked for Mr. Letta for Leonardo's, we went from making, you know, a couple thousand dollars a day to $10,000 a day when he was letting me run parts of his business. And when I opened Kairos, I thought I would experience the same results, and I never did. And I don't, I don't fully understand myself. Every time I try to do something for myself, business-wise, I always end up in a mess. And I don't know if it, like I'm just not good at business, or I'm, I don't know. Well, What's my problem? We, well, we just had a. We just talked about this actually before going on air. We (laughs) (laughs) sounds funny to say that, but I mean it is what it is. But we just had this conversation and you we were talking about exactly this. And you said at Leonardo's, um, Tony, big Tony, he had two different people running the like business side and the books. Like the when you say business side, you mean like Well, he had a business partner. We opened Leonardo's. Yeah. His best friend growing up was Vincent Bruno. Mm-hmm. 
which if you're from around Birmingham, you know, they started the Bruno's supermarket chain and then, you know, sold it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they're all, they don't have to worry about money. Yeah. Their kids, grandkids, probably great, great, grandkids. Nobody ever has to worry about money. Yeah. If your last name's Bruno. That's why you see the And their Br- children. And their children. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're really good. They're down to earth people. I mean, they're good people. Um, but that's why you see, like, the Bruno Cancer Center at St. Vincent's, because they spread their money around. You know, they're local. They do all things. But uh, They're Mr. philanthropists, isn't that a word? Yeah. Well, yeah. I've learned a little. Through my time at the Foundry, I learned that a lot of philanthropy is always not, like, trying to do good. It's trying to, you know, would you rather give this money to the government or would you rather give it to a nonprofit? Yeah. And, and most people would rather give their money to a nonprofit. Yeah. But, uh or at least you can see that. You can right. see you can see like the results of you sharing your wealth or whatever. Of course, and you get to give it to an organization or a cause that you believe in or yeah, care about. I feel like there's purpose for you in doing that. Yeah. But then uh, the, the flip side of that if you have to give it all to the government, you know, it's just going to go into a big black hole of Washington cesspool. Right. So so I get that. But uh Mr. Bruno was Mr. Folletta's business partner in that he put up all the money for everything. Mm-hmm. So he he would come through. He wasn't really involved in day-to-day. You know, everybody knew he was Mr. Bruno. But so Tony didn't have to worry about that part. And then his aunt, Boo, we called her Boo. Her name was Cosette, but her nickname was Boo, and it's always stuck. <laughs> she was like in her 80s, but she had been his uh, business manager when he was a lawyer, Mr. Folletta. And she just came in and took over the office, did all the books, all the business, made sure all the tax stuff. You know, she was a, a C personality. She knew how to handle all that. So he had never had to worry about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. His job was to make sure the food was good and that people were happy. And and he did that well. He did it great. I mean, we had a, those were, I guess professionally, that was the most fun I've ever had in my life was because it seemed like everything we tried, it worked. <laughs> now, this is cliche, but it's, but it, you know, when you explain it all that way, it's like, Everybody had their right seat on the bus. Yeah. And and all the seats that needed to be occupied were occupied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we need to take that a bit further when I say, like, are you on the right seat on the bus? It's like, yeah. what if you have a seat that needs a butt in the seat and there's nobody there? <laughs> but he didn't really he didn't he didn't really want a whole lot out of life other than he wanted to get a new Cadillac every three years. <laughs> he wanted to make sure his wife and kids were taken care of. I mean, obviously his kids were adults by the time, but you know, his, they had a stable home and all that stuff. And his dream was to travel. He wanted to travel. You know, and when I say travel, I don't mean go to uh, Destin or Pensacola. <laughs> he wanted to go to Rome and Paris. He wanted to go to Paris, Rome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He wanted to go to Morocco yeah. and to come back and tell you stories about, you know, how they did stuff over there. Yeah. But uh, and during that time, he did uh, achieve that goal. But I remember he... Uh, I found out that he leased his cars, and I remember being so confused with that. You know, I was a kid right out of straight out of prison before that, coming from Phoenix City. I was like, "Why would you pay a lease on a car? That sounds so, sounds like such a such a waste." And he said, "Because I want a new Cadillac every three years, and if I try to do that, buying them outright, I'll always stay underwater. And if you lease it, you know, you're gonna pay a car payment anyway." So. I didn't necessarily adopt that philosophy, but it was just interesting that, that. But I actually think that's a really good example. I really like that. This is a little bit of a like squirrel, but like yeah. how everybody you know wants different things and values different things. Yeah, and that's how they make their decisions. And like, who am I to judge? Like, if that's how he wanted to do his car payment and to have a Cadillac, like oh no, I wasn't judging. I was oh, I know, curious. I know you weren't. But I feel like there is a lot of um, 
Maybe I'm wrong. Just like people judging people that lease cars and don't buy them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, he could, he could afford it. That was, he, right. He was well, doing what he wanted to do. Okay, so back to the original thing of like Christmas, hustle and bustle. You used to make all this money. You used to run up the credit cards because you could, you could pay them <laughs> off from the holiday season money. And that was to I- which I said... What, why can't, what's happening with that now? Why is that not happening now? Because we're in business for ourselves. And then we should, yeah. So I think all that to say, for you and I, and we, I think, you know, I think really in the last year we've had this conversation over and over. I do think that we're pretty clear on what we're not good at. (laughs) Yeah. But I think, I don't, and I don't know why. It's like, I agree with you, but it's like, we can't find someone or we can't afford, I don't know what it is, but how do people make this work that don't have the money in the first place to like fill that seat of the things that we don't do? Like you said, have some kind of, I don't know what Tony said, a business partner. Who, well, here, here's, here's my frustration with all this today. Like I don't even want to be taping this podcast today right. because we're in the middle of a financial crisis. It's a struggle for sure. I mean, we had to like, Seriously, guys, we had to, like, take some minutes and, like, gather ourselves. Anyways, everybody struggles with something. I'm just being for real. I know. I just don't want to get... If I start getting stuck in that, I won't be able to talk anymore because I'm I'm very annoyed right now. And just trying to figure out, like, what am I doing? He's not annoyed with me. He's annoyed with... No, I'm annoyed with myself. I don't know what I'm annoyed with. It's like, how how can I work for somebody else and make them... Make their business profitable and just, I mean, profitable to where, you know, he's good, the kids are good, I'm good, everybody's good. And then I went and I started Kairos and it was nothing but a a, a strain and a, that was, that was the hardest time of my life was the 10 years that I was in business, in the restaurant business, because it was a constant, like, trying to make it work, trying to figure it out. It was always a panic, always something going on. And then, you know, I got to the end of that. I went to work for the foundry. You know, I was there for five years. And that's a nonprofit. You don't really make them, I guess, money, but you make them profitable. But you did. Well, yeah, I made my... All the grants that you were able to make possible. Well, it was... And again, you go back to that. There was somebody else that handled all the business stuff. You know, I had Miss Sherry. She did all the finances. I don't know. I just don't understand... So now we've been doing this. We've got the coaching. We've got the cooking. We've got now we've got the podcasting stuff that we're doing. And I can't make the finances add up to where, and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Like, I don't feel like we don't live an extravagant lifestyle. We don't, um, do we or do we? I mean, compared to other people, maybe we do. But I mean, all of that is relative. But I mean, when you say that, I think you mean we don't go on any trips. Well, we do, but we they're free. Yeah, I mean, we only go if we can stay with somebody. <laughs> I mean, that's true. But I mean, we don't go on any, any extravagant trips. Like, we're not taking the kids. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wish we could. I'm just saying, like, we don't do that. Like, yeah. no, I mean, I would think we do live in a house that's... We felt like Jesus gave us the house, but maybe beyond our means at the time. But that time we didn't. Well, think this it was. is a, a big house with a lot of expenses that are above our means. But going back to at the same time, I feel like we are utilizing every inch of this house to try to work make oh, money for the business. <laughs> so we're utilizing it for like work, you know. So well, you're preaching to the choir. But I know. I'm just what I'm. What I'm trying to figure out, and what I'm so frustrated with with myself is why can't I make it work? You know, why can't I make it work? 
Is this a rhetorical question? No, I'm asking you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. And I'm tired of trying. And I'm going back to, it's funny because I'm going back to straight out of prison where, we're, where we talked about, which I still believe is true when you talk about like working at Leonardo's and the foundry is like you do, you have the gift of you go in and you make things better. <laughs> I have the gift of working for somebody else. <laughs> no, you have the gift of like when you, uh, when you, when something is given to you, like I think it was that story of some table or something in prison or any kind of like job you had. Table? Any, what are you talking about? I, oh, some, something that you like. I just remember thinking like, you know, you make things better when you get your hands on it. Oh, where we dipped in and wax and made them. Yeah. Well, clarify that. People don't, well, you have to clarify. I don't remember the details. When I first went to prison at BCF in Florida, the rooms are bare. You know, it's a prison. You're in prison. It's supposed to be like that. But there was like standard issue everything. You had a bed, a locker. Each The two people to a room, but everybody had a bed. Each person had a bed, a locker, and there was one table that you had to share. Uh-huh. And it was just like a brown metal table. But we would find ways to be creative <laughs> and make our our space better, like by waxing the floor, which floor, wax was contraband, so you had to be careful about all that. And I got into this thing where you would cut out pictures out of magazines, dip them in wax, and you could decorate your table. <laughs> make a mosaic, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, <laughs> and it was neat, don't get me wrong, but I got a hold of a heavy metal magazine. It was like an adult comics. It was... I didn't, wasn't really interested in the magazine. Just the pictures were cool. And I made one that had so many layers on it. It had like, probably had like 15 cups of wax on it. So it was like pure glass. But when they did periodically did room searches, if you got a certain officer or sergeant, they would take it from me because you weren't supposed to have it. And then they put a, just a plain brown one in there. Well, the last one they took from me and I gave up after that. I was like, you can't win this game. <laughs> uh, the, the, the central commanding officer, Officer Lejeune, was like, that is the most creative table I've ever seen in my life. And so he kept it in his office, <laughs> at least for the rest of the time I was there, the next two and a half years. That if you went in to get something from him, my table was sitting in his office. <laughs> he thought it was cool. That's but uh, but that also got me in trouble, too, because you get right. a discipline for that. <laughs> but I, I know that was like a little bit, but I just do feel like you have an ability to make things nicer and good. I know it's your personality and your creative and your giftedness and all that. But it's like you said, like, I mean, I'm as frustrated as you are, obviously, about it. But yeah. um, and I mean, now that we're on the for real real, it makes it difficult when we have kids and we're in this Christmas season with parades and exciting things yeah. and you feel this like weight of basically adulting. And yeah. I know this is not, you know, special for us. I feel like all adults yeah, feel this at some point, just of like the paying the bills, the doing this, like working your you know what's off, like trying to like make things like well, that's, and that's another thing that frustrates me more than anything. It's like I gotta do something different, like with all this cooking stuff, and the uh, we'll probably never stop doing the podcast. But I'm sometimes working, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty hours a week, and then you get to the end of it, and not just me. You're always, you know, b- between taking care of the kids and contacting people and talking on the computer and the phone. It's like it never ends, mm-hmm. and I can work all the time and be fine. But I wanted to like produce some kind of results to where it's like I'm making ends meet or right. making. But to get to the end of that and still come up short, it just seems. 
I don't know. It's um, and I do think like we've had all the ideas and everybody has all the suggestions and we try <laughs> some as much as we can of those suggestions, but. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when people give us suggestions, I'm like, I don't really feel like you know what you're suggesting right now. <laughs> so in order for us to do that, we have to do that. Like, it's always like this domino. Well, not that we're not open. We want advice. We want all Yeah, things, but if but. you don't know what you don't know, you can't really speak to it. Yeah. So, if, I mean, it's like if you're not in the middle of it, you don't understand the full, like, yeah. everything about it. So I've decided, this is what I've decided. There are people that are made with, like, create the creatives. And then there are business people. And I'm definitely, I definitely don't have like the business like mind to be able to, but I can produce results that make a profit. But for some reason, I can't do it for myself. I just don't, I'm confused. I, I'm, I don't feel like we do anything extravagant. I don't feel like, um, I mean, I'm constantly examining, like trying to figure out ways to, to cut things and make things work. And, but I don't know. I just feel like I'm, I mean, it's definitely the same. It's the same for me in some sense. I do feel, I mean, you are this too. Like, I'm very, like, strategic in business. I think through, you know, I can be very effective. But as far as, like, finances, bookkeeping, it's like when we're doing so many other things to try to tack that on as well, and neither one of us have a natural propensity for, you know. But, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, we're, like, analyzing our own selves here, but, like, I just... Yeah, we probably don't need to do that here. Uh, I but just... Um, I'm just thinking, like, what's the difference between a creative and, a, a, like, a business-minded person? Because most people that have a straight business mind don't want anything to do with the creative part of a business. I actually read this article. I think it was in Forbes or something a couple years back, and it was talking about how people have a skill or a gift or whatever it is that they do. And then they're like, okay, we're going to start a business. I'm going to start a business because everybody loves what I do and I'm amazing at it, which is true. (laughs) And then they start a business. I mean, cooking is a perfect example. You're a chef. You can create food. They're like, let's start a restaurant. Obvious, right? Except that it's not because the whole what you're saying, like the business money side, is a totally different skill set, a totally different set of Things that you need to know to make that work, not just creating the food. Or to have somebody do it for you. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's why a lot of businesses fail with all kind of like creators that start, that do have a gift, do have a like something really incredible that they can do, but they don't have that other side to it, you know, to be able to. You know, this just struck me. You know who else was like that? Who? Steve Jobs. Hmm. You know, he started Apple. He was a creative he was a salesman. He got it going, but then it crashed. You know, you probably don't remember all that, but Apple was like the first computer, but then it was over with. Like, nobody wanted Apple. Like, Apple was like a dinosaur. They were dead. Yeah. Um, he got pushed out of his own company because they had to come in and try to make make money. You know, the smart people came in, uh-huh. and it was just dead, basically. And they called him back in. That's when they created the, the, the Mac and, you know, all the iPhone, all the stuff that came after that. But he did, like, give up on, like, trying to run the business part of it. And he was just a straight creative when he came back again mm-hmm. and turned it into, you know, it's a global phenomenon now. Well, I guess then he had the other side of it, people that were running that side that he couldn't, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was a disaster, and he had an idea, and it kind of worked for a minute but then it didn't and then it failed and then he was out you know he went and started pixar during that time he wasn't even doing anything with computers 
And uh, just, I'm just going to start Pixar now. <laughs> well, no, he was a creative. No, he was devastated by getting kicked out of his own company. I mean, that was if you ever like read his story or yeah, I remember or, hearing that. But uh, when he came back in, he was just the creative, and then look what happened after that. Yeah, you know, we we wouldn't have iPhone or iPod or the yeah. Mac. You know, what do we have in our house? What do we work with that's not Apple? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These days. I mean, yeah. some people do. I try not to. Cause well, regardless if you do or not, I mean, everyone knows Apple and the success of it. So yeah. I didn't, I never pieced that together. I didn't think of that. But that's I didn't true. even, I actually didn't think of that until just now. Like, yeah. I remember thinking I would have just quit. Yeah. Because, you know, he made a little bit of money off that. Mm-hmm. I mean, by a little bit, I mean millions. But uh, <laughs> yeah. it's the same with the guy that started Shipped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had a little idea. He started. It blew up. He sold it at Target for $500 million, and mm-hmm. he went off and started another business. Like, yeah. why can't I be like that? Yeah. Why can't I be smart like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to be. I don't like, I don't like, <laughs> and I would say this, I don't like when you say smart like that, and you said they brought in the smart people. I think they're just, like, smart in that way. Like, no, I mean, that, like, like business people. Yeah. Like, you need, if you're going to grow something, you got to have people like that. you got to have the ideas and the innovating people, and then also the... <sighs> Yeah, but for me, when you're trying to run the business part of it, you, it kills the creative part of it. That happened yeah. to me at Cairo's because I was so focused on running the business, I couldn't come up with any new recipes. Which is interesting because you told me, was it last night? I think you told me, you're like, oh, you know what I was doing? Was it 15 years ago? or 16 years she ago. She said, well, you know what I was doing exactly right now, 16 years ago? I was like, <laughs> nope, I don't. December the 4th, 2006. December the 4th, 2006 is... Was that like the first day of Cairo's? It was the day I opened. The day he you opened Cairo's, your restaurant. And you said you just sat there and cried. I said, this was last night about 8 o'clock. Yeah. So, you know, I was doing exactly 16 years ago. I was sitting in my living room on Riverwalk Court crying my eyes out because I was scared to death because I knew it wasn't going to work. But, okay, truly. Did you didn't. know it wasn't going to work then? I mean, yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty, and now you can see everything. Babe, you've listened to the podcast. I know, but like sometimes you can, I don't know, why would you like continue with something with that so long if you knew it wasn't going to work? Because I was stuck in it. I didn't have any other options. But we're talking about day one, <laughs> when you first opened. See, this is the thing with Haley. Even though we sat down and recorded a whole season, there was like <laughs> at least six or seven episodes we talked about the process, the lead up, my... Relationship. Uh, well, with now that you're saying all that, I remember. You know, okay, her but. dad being my pastor and my business partner, and they own the building, and now all they're working for me, and all the mess, and it's just okay. But I mean, it's just saying that, like, so emphatically that night, like you knew it wasn't going to work. I did, and I was right. <laughs> I mean, it worked, but it did, it was uh that was a tough uh, road to travel down. But yeah. it was, and I remember the whole time in the lead up to that, just like praying, like, Jesus, just give me a word. And he kept saying, consider the cost of building a tower. <laughs> and that was the only thing I ever got during that time. And I didn't really consider the cost because it was, I paid a heavy price to have that mm-hmm. restaurant. Yeah. And I mean, it all worked out in the end. I met my wife through all that. And uh, I think it was a necessary part of my process, but it was Ultimately, it didn't feel like a successful business venture. Right. It was always a painful right. th- trying to figure it out business venture Yeah, for almost 10 years of my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think I have PTSD from that. So now that we're trying to do our own thing again, I, <clears throat> I get 
uh, just in the middle of the struggle and trying to figure it out and, you know, what's next and how are we going to make this work? And I remember those days and I'm like, that was hard enough for me to go through by myself, much less to try to do that with the wife and three kids. I just don't, I can't see myself trying to push through something like that again. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And I think the PTSD too, like I think flares up when you're working so much physically because you're working so much physically there. I'm like literally working yourself to death and that what's happening now essentially. (laughs) Um, Which I mean, I don't, I never want this to turn into, we're so grateful and you have a gift, which is why you people want you to cook for them. Yeah. Let's not turn into a wine. I know. Well, it's not a wine fest. I'm just trying to explain. Let's show me to go get some cheese to go with your wine. (laughs) I'm not whining. Unless I'm trying to explain the PTSD. I do think that's part of it for you. Yeah. Like the physical yeah. work. But anyway, um, where do we go from here? Well, I'm putting out food. Like this past Thanksgiving, I still have every invoice, everything I've ever done in my lifetime is all in a file somewhere. Of course computer. it is. <laughs> I got to looking at what was my most, what was my biggest year at Cairo's when I was doing Thanksgiving. It was 2011. And I went, and I didn't like totally look at them, but I just scanned it. Mm-hmm. And I think what we did this year on Thanksgiving was comparable to that. The only difference is then I had six or seven people working for me, and now I'm working by myself. Mm-hmm. So it definitely takes a toll on your your mental circle, your physical body, your spiritually, all the all the lees. Mm-hmm. And I just um, I love food. I love cooking, but it's got to at some point you got to be able to do it or do well, I gotta do something different? Yeah. Well, you got It's got to be able to create enough income to sustain. Or re- what do they call that in the business world? ROI, return on return investment. Return on investment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like you know energy and time and stuff like that too. So. Yeah, but I'm to a place now where I'm ready to go work at Costco. You know, just give me some health insurance, and uh, <laughs> I already know where everything is. I'll be able to help the customers. <laughs> And half the time when I'm in shopping mode, especially for like events and stuff like that, this has been happening to me the last 15, 20 years. People think I work at Costco. They think I work at Audi. I had a lady stop me the other day and ask me when I was going to bring some more sweet potatoes out. This was just three days ago. It was an older lady. She was like, hey, when y'all going to bring some more sweet potatoes out? And I said... I don't know. I don't work here. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry, baby. You look you look like you work here. I said, well, they, they kind of got a shirt that says Audi. And most of them have a name tag, but that's not that's oh. not. But I get that. I get that at Walmart. I get that at Lowe's. Well, I used to be Lowe's. I don't go to Lowe's no more. I can't stand them. I go to Home Depot, even if I have to travel. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm lost in my thoughts. I don't even know what I'm saying now. Yeah. What am I saying? Um, like I'm rambling. We were just being for real, I guess. <laughs> Unramble me. Um, okay, but where do we go from here? Because I feel like we need to. I don't know. Have I, an uptick. I think <laughs> this is. I had a really good time this morning with Jesus. Um, like I know we when we do the profile things for teams and businesses and stuff like that. Like we have one area where we focus on like people's five top strengths. Mm-hmm. And you and I both share a strategic or a strategy strength where we both have strategies. Mm-hmm. Like we're good at making a strategy, executing, and getting it done. But the first few years of us working together, it was like, if we both are strategic, why can't we figure out something that's going to work? Because we're always in conflict and it feels like we're fighting over the strategy more than we're doing the strategy. 
but then I don't know, it was like a light bulb that came on was that my strength behind my strategic is context, which is looking backwards. Your strength behind your strategy is futuristic, which means you're always looking forward. So it's like, that's why we're always in conflict because you're dreaming and going into the future and I'm looking back and trying not to make the same mistakes that I've made before. And I mean, ultimately that can bring us together and make things better, but it can also create conflict if you don't do it right. And so it was just like, I don't know, Jesus, I believe, I trust you, I have faith, but you know, we got to mix some reality in with the faith, you know, yeah. what, do, what do we do with that? So how do we do that? I don't think we abandon our dreams or hopes or the things that we know that, that God has placed inside of us to do, but there's got to be like a, a bounce of reality to how we see that played out. Yeah. I mean, I don't have answers for that besides the, the <laughs> do you quote agree of with like, that? yeah, absolutely. Of like, just do the next right thing. I mean, you know, for me, because I am futuristic and have all that like visions and like, and I do believe that, you know, I, I know certain things. He's given me vision for things that I know are going to come to pass that I have to kind of get my eyes straight at my feet again for the next step. Instead yeah. of looking out. And I mean, like I said, I don't know the answers, but or the answer. And it is a very refining process. But I do trust that there is purpose. I trust that we are in a process and I trust that yeah. he's going to provide what we need. And we have to trust, even if that doesn't look like what I want it to look like or maybe what I think it's going to look like. Yeah, that that it's that it's OK, that things are going to be I mean. That he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Maybe <laughs> yes, you should start singing that from your prison days. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's funny you say that. Um, before I say that, though, I never knew your dad personally. I mean, I'm, I had one conversation with him before he went to heaven. But your mom let me have his iPad after we were married. And, you know, I've most of the books on my bookshelf... Like the founding fathers, I popped it open. He's got his notes in the side, and it seems like a quote that he used a lot and gave to people a lot. The number one, the number one rule of getting out of the hole is to stop digging. <laughs> so that's been coming to me lately. Like I got, we got to do something different. I don't, I don't think we need to quit doing anything. Maybe we need to quit some things. I'm thinking I'm doing too much, spending too much time trying to make money off of food, and you know. That's just going to drive me into the grave. But it's funny you say sing the on time God, you know, go back to prison thing. Because this morning I just felt like, where was I at then when I was hopeless and didn't have anything? What did I have? And I had the scriptures. And that was the only thing that brought me hope. And so I just went back through my favorite ones that I used during that time. (laughs) And it's funny, they all come from the book of Psalms, which are prayers and songs. So maybe somebody listening is looking for one. Give us one. What's one of your faves that you looked at this morning? I looked at three or four this morning, but my favorite one was Psalm 91, because I was always afraid that something I was going to get killed or get stabbed or get raped or something Mm -hmm. during that time. But there was a part of that psalm where I always felt like Jesus was speaking directly to me. It's at the end of Psalm 91. It says, with long life... I will satisfy him, and I will show him my salvation. But there was a, a key to that, and it was because he has set his love on me. 
the actual scripture says, because he has set his love on me, I will satisfy him with long life and I will take care of him, protect him to all things and show him my salvation. And I've just uh, like, we need to be brought back to that because that's the key to it. Because he set his love on me. I don't have to have anything. I don't have to have cars or a house or, you know, sometimes you can even be guilty of like worshiping your family or your kids. But if I can just, just turn it back to Jesus and, you know, and Psalm 103, blessed be the name of the Lord. He forgives all my sins. You know, Lord have mercy. I know I got a lot of forgiveness when I came to Jesus and I thought, well, now I can just be, you know, I don't do any bad stuff. <laughs> but in hindsight, you know, almost 30 years later, it's he forgives the sins of my past, the sins of my present and the sins that I'm going to make in the future because we're going to all mess up because we're humans. But he forgives my sins. He heals my diseases. You know, I don't have any, I mean, I have some thyroid stuff and some testosterone stuff. And, you know, if I don't watch my diet, I, they keep telling me I'm going to be a pre-diabetic. I think that's just to scare me into eating right. <laughs> but, I mean, for the most part, I'm I'm healthy. Um, he redeems my life from death. You know, I should have got shot on the side of the road there when we got arrested. I mean, I came within inches of my life, and I could still be rotting away in prison. You know, I know people that have life without pro sentences that will never get out of prison that Love Jesus and trying to follow him, but so I don't have that. Um, he crowns me with love and compassion. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a process. I mean, I'm obviously still in that process of learning how to love and be compassionate and all those things. And then, but um, he gives me a life that's worth living. Mm-hmm. That Psalm 103 says, and restores my youth. And I feel like I don't feel 50. Well, some days I do, but... I mean, I look at other people my age that I went to high school with, I'm like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll but, second that. <laughs> but then um, Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want all that. Uh, Psalm 25 was one I used to read every day. Psalm 27, those those, those were my go-tos. Yeah. You know, protect me. These evil people in here <laughs> are trying to get at me. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> and um, But there is one at the end of... I can't remember if it's Psalm 25 or 27. It said, I would have lost heart unless I would have believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then it says, just wait on God. He's going to figure it out. Just mm-hmm. keep hope alive. Yeah. Move on. That's good. So that's where I'm at. I'm at the Psalms. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at. Uh, no, but I mean, I just, I know that we can't be the only ones that feel... You know, or just in a season of Ugh. of everything we just said. I don't yeah. have to re-say it. Um, and so you're not alone, I guess. You are not alone. <laughs> no, all these songs came to mind. <laughs> Especially the when you were talking, the Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It's an old school one. I sang that this morning. Oh, you did? In my time. But yeah. Lauren Daigle has a version of that that's really good. Like kind of like a modernized version. Who's so, Lauren Daigle? Um, she's a singer. <laughs> she's like a Christian singer. She's the one that sings that song, um, Look Up Child. You love that song. Oh, I like her. Yeah, her. I'll look that up. I mean, she has a newer, it's really good. That can be my prescription for today. Yeah. <laughs> look that up. Look so, that up. That's good. Well, other than that, current events, we've got uh, lots of parties. We've mm-hmm. had, we did uh, Heating and Air. Uh, well, there are sponsors, uh, Home and Commercial Services. Keely Brown. Keely Brown. And company. Yeah. 
we did their party at their house. They lived. They bought some uh, hunting land out in Pell City, and built a house right in the middle of it. And on the way there, I was afraid we were not in the right place. <laughs> it felt like we were going down and up a mountain, like, literally. <laughs> like, are you sure people live here? It's like wilderness to me. <clears throat> but uh, uh, we got there. Yeah. And a funny little quirk about Haley. Haley likes to only use people's front doors. So when we got... <laughs> I feel like that's, I don't know, like protocol or normal or something. So this is a brand new house they've just built in the middle of the woods. And there's a lot of mud and a lot of debris. You know, I mean, they're still, they don't even have landscaping done yet. So It's literally hunting land. They hunt on their own land. Yeah. But I mean, their house that they're building. Yeah. It's is, very nice. It's beautiful, but it's still in progress. Mm-hmm. So the whole front yard is red mud. Yeah. And everybody was at the back of the house going in through the garage. And I said, uh, don't go to the front door. And you're like, I always go to the front door. <laughs> You don't fall down in the mud. I think I was taught that. Like you wouldn't the first time you go to someone's house, you go to the front door. But everybody don't use the front door. I know, but it's still I feel like I don't know, polite. I don't know, it feels right to me. I remember we went feels to a, like the right thing to do. We went to a party, it's been several years ago, but it was I forget where they lives out in Hoover or McCall or somewhere. And it was some people we'd never been to their house before and it was a baby shower, was what it was. Or a wedding shower, I don't remember. Um, but you were like, we're going through the front door. And I was like, uh, the whole sidewalk's grown over with grass and nobody goes that way. I can tell you can see there's no doubt. And you're like, no, you always go to the front door. That's a polite thing to do. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and they didn't even know they had a front door when they finally <laughs> yes, they like, come around. Like, well, why won't anybody come this way? <laughs> But Hayes going through the front door. I feel like that's my mom and my grandmother. They were like, yeah, maybe instill that. That feels like that's where that came from. I'm not sure, but um, it's funny how that stuff gets in you. And it's the same for me. Like when people come to my side door the first time they come, I'm like, what are they doing? (laughs) Can't you see I have a front door coming to the door? (laughs) Well, you can Uh, like tell like the well worn path is to the. Back door, the side door. Yeah, but that goes to the kitchen, which is not always in pristine condition. And I make sure right inside my front door is presentable. So, okay, so you're using a little context with the front door. Yes, stuff. exactly. Okay. So, it's a uh, but uh, we we did that. It was really fun. We did. I did a wedding. Sh- no baby shower. What did I do? Yesterday? Baby shower yesterday. Baby shower mm-hmm. for a friend or your friend, Crystal Webster. Yeah, her, her sister. But it was a great party. There was a lot of people there that I saw that some that have been my customers, a lot of people here in Garndale. But when we were getting ready to leave, the girl that the party was for, Krista's sister, who's like eight or nine months pregnant, she's very pregnant, uh-huh. took the time out of her day to think that, oh, James and Haley are working on Sunday. And she made us a little gift bag and put some pumpkin bread and some coffee and a little thank you card. I was like, what's that? And she was like, it's just a little thank you for working today. I know it's hard to work on Sundays. And I was like, couldn't say it. I couldn't figure out what to say. I was like, I've had people give me like a tip, like, you know, throw me some cash or something. <laughs> but I don't think I've ever had anybody like give me a thoughtful gift yeah, for doing sweet. a job. So that sweet. was neat. Yeah. So, and I, I did like process it and went back and told her that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You weren't with me, so I had to channel my inner Haley. 
And I was like, you do get very awkward in those situations. Well, now if I get caught off guard, I don't know what to Usually say. I'm just like, um, thank you. We'll be good. Like, just a thank you so much. I did say thank you, but I was caught off guard. It was like a yeah. present, like a present for me. For I mean, you did pay. They paid me to be here. It's not, And I'm not cheap yeah. for what I charge. But, um, oh, that was fun. Yeah. And then we had the Garden Hill Christmas Parade last Thursday, which... That was honestly one of the first things that made me fall in love with Gardendale. Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's just local. It's Christmas. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And the kids, our kids ain't never missed one. Mm-hmm. And this year I actually streamed it on YouTube. So if you want to see that, go to my YouTube channel. You can yeah. watch, watch the whole thing and get the the Jones kid perspective. And James throws <laughs> a few comments in there that I'm like, uh, maybe you shouldn't say that when we're live. What did I say? <laughs> I can't remember. There's a couple things like. No, I was just, I talk about why we have to have so many Miss Princesses. Yeah, and there was something else you said. So oh, like you, you name dropped people you didn't like a couple times. Who? <laughs> well, that was live, so you can't cut it out. Uh, I know, exactly. <laughs> don't say that. Now people are going to go to the seats. But it was fun. But, uh, Lula was in with her little dance troupe. She was in a uh, the Morris Christmas Parade, mm-hmm. which is just north of Carndale, and it's a very small area. Yeah. And I was struggling because I was prepping all this food because I had two parties, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. And I learned if I stay up half the night working late like that, then I lose the next day because I'm a zombie. So I elected to go to bed and listen to Jesus and get my sleep. And I just told her, baby, I'm not going to be able to go to the parade and, you know, mama video it for me, and I'm sorry, and I, I want to be at everything you do, but sometimes we have to choose the thing that we have to do to have money. <laughs> <laughs> so she's fine. <laughs> but when they got home, um, I was getting ready to leave for the for the party we had Saturday night, and Royal was sitting there, and I was like, how was the parade? And he said, oh, no, we didn't go to no parade. And I said, baby, you went to the parade. That was where y'all went. And he said... Well, they said Lou was supposed to be in a parade, but I don't know. There was no parade, and I don't know. I don't know why he says that. We were at the parade, right? We saw the whole parade. They were throwing candy, which well, the then, other— Then he said that, too. He said, well, they came out throwing candy at me, but there was no parade. <laughs> and so I finally I couldn't figure out what it was. I think it was he was comparing the Mars Parade to the Gardner Parade because it's only six. I mean, well, and it was at night. The Gardner was at night. Thinker. The Gardner Parade was at night. It just had a totally different like feel, different things. And then the Morris Parade was during the in the morning in the day, and they were throwing candy. So he was constantly running after candy. <laughs> so I don't think he saw the actual parade. So I don't know so where cute. the confusion was there, but like. No, I mean, yeah. we carried on for a good 10 minutes. He was like, no, I didn't go to parade. <laughs> no, 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 no. They said Lulu was supposed to be in parade, but I don't know. I didn't see her. <laughs> did he see her? Yes, he did. This was, I don't know. He just, probably in his mind, that was not a parade because he had been to a parade That's on dad. Thursday. That was different. All right. Maybe we should have put that one on the YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See. All right. Well, I don't know. When we started this uh, podcast... I said, we're not talking about none of the struggle stuff we're going through because I can't deal with it right now. But I'm glad we talked about it because I feel lighter. How about you? I do, too. You look lighter than when we started. (laughs) James is like, I can't even be in here because your face is so (laughs) defeated and sad and forlorn. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make a sad face. (laughs) (laughs) We'll figure it out. We always do. Yeah. 
Jesus will figure it out. I, well, you got to cooperate with him. Well, I'm cooperating. <laughs> I'm in full cooperation, just to put that out there. Well, I mean, that's how, even when I pray, I have faith, but I have reality, too. When I feel like if my kids are sick, I pray for their healing, and Jesus give us wisdom about something we need to do different. Yeah. You know, because sometimes you just need to cut out the uh, sugary drinks. Or, yeah. You know, coffee creamer, something. Yep. Else. So if there's any business partners out there that, <laughs> that would be my prayer. That are looking for an investment, that are looking for two people who Honestly, that should be our prayer for twenty twenty three. I need a business, somebody to come in and do the business part. Yeah. I'm and share in the fruits of the labors or you know, yeah. whatever. Absolutely. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Put it on the board. <laughs> okay. We name every year. We have a theme we usually get from Jesus in the beginning of every year. Maybe this year the theme will be business partner. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I love it. I'm the one that threw it out there. Uh, I like it. All right. All right. We're rambling. All right. Well, you guys have a great week. Merry Christmas. And we'll see you soon. Choose hope. Choose hope. Choose we'll pray hope. for y'all. You pray for us. Choose hope. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co. Click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email Haley at teamjones.co. And for exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions. All levels have one cool feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcasts platforms and they're completely free from ads the best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review or follow us on social media facebook instagram tiktok youtube and more and that's too much to mention here so we'll put it all in the show notes for you our youtube channel is now streaming the straight out of prison podcast and even if you've listened to every episode check out the video format to see behind the scenes pictures and a whole lot more it really makes the story come to life in a whole new way and while you're there hit the subscribe button please hit that subscribe button it's 100 free won't cost you anything but it will help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience look up chef james k jones on youtube hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast please support our sponsors they help us provide you this platform for free thank you for your support and thank you for being a part of our story
Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email me, Haley, Haley at teamjones.co. That's not .com. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review. Well, as long as you think we did good. (laughs) Or you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of home and commercial services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like, you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to, obviously, his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at hollandhcs.com. You can look up Holland Home and Commercial Services on Instagram for daily tips and more. Or you can check out their website, hollandhcs.com. We have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast. Lynn and Debbie Hurst are on Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS. T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I with the toes. <laughs> <laughs>
Or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing.